You are listening to the Christian Worship Center podcast. For more information about our church, please visit us at cwcstillwell.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you for being at Christian Worship Center this morning. It's good to have you with us. We pray for all of those that are out this morning, those that are sick, those that are um, had things happening and going on. God is faithful, amen? But thank you for being here this morning. If this is your first time here, welcome to Christian Worship Center. Amen. If it's not, we're glad you came back. Amen. Uh, this We're going to continue our s- series this morning on we're too grown to give up. And I, the text will be taken from Hebrews chapter number 11. And we're not going to go back and read. I read that all last week. And I'm going to kind of cover some verses this morning if the Lord helps me with that. But I want you to understand, and we've been talking about Moses. And uh, the, the thing is, is the Bible says when he was mature in years, or he was come to years, the King James Version says, that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be known as he was identified. Come on, how many of you has changed your identity? And who you used to be isn't who you identify with today. Because that was the past, and the past, you're too grown up to go back there. And this is where Moses was. He came to years, and he says, I don't want to be classed as the paganistic place where I was brought up in. I don't want a mixture anymore. I want to choose the afflictions of the people of God rather than to enjoy the season, the pleasures of sin for a season. I'm going to, I'm going to get into what God's got going and I'm going to leave behind what I came from. And so the thing is, as we've we talked about last week is the significance or, or, or the importance of hidden significance. When something is hidden, sometimes you, we, we as people of God and, and, and sometimes just human, we tell things too, mature, too, too uh, prematurely. We uncover things pre- prematurely. And therefore, we void the significance of it. Because sometimes we don't know how to keep our mouth shut. Anybody understand what I'm saying? When God's doing something in your life, he puts something in you, sometimes it's wise to keep it under wraps until it becomes mature enough. Oh. Mm. My spiritual father, and, and some of you guys knew him, Brother Paul Etter, told me, I don't know how many times he said, you can't tell everything God tells you. Everything that God gives you is not for everybody else to know. So there's some things you don't tell that even you've been shown and you might know it. You don't tell it because it's sometimes going to mess up something that God is trying to work out even in someone else's life. Does that make sense? 
come on, you got, you, you got a project going on. You don't let everybody know what you're doing until you figured it out yourself. Cause if you, if you let somebody in on some house that you're remodeling that looks like a termite fest, and they're over there saying, oh man, this is a mess. This is terrible. And what you're gonna get is, you're gonna say, man, I didn't realize it was that bad. And so discouragement sets in. Because you've uncovered something prematurely that you've been working on. And you've got it all figured out how it's going to work. And all of a sudden you let somebody else into your private quarters. (laughs) And they see it as something different than you saw it. Does that make sense? So this is what, and when we start out the book, we are start out these verses, it says that by faith, Moses' parents hid him because of they saw he was a proper child. Pharaoh wanted to kill him because he knows that a deliverer is coming. But a de- deliverer's not in Moses right now. It takes a long time for the deliverer to show up. Come on, because he's, he's on, cause, cause it, he don't just show up out of diapers and start performing miracles. He don't show up and throw his rod down and it becomes a serpent and he picks it up and it becomes a rod again. That don't happen when Moses is three months old. But the parents see some significance uh, that they begin to hide him. Uh, they begin to, to pour into him. They begin to put things because there's significance in Moses. Others probably won't see. Amen? So this is why it's important for when there's significance inside of you, for you not to show everybody what's going on in you. Mm. (laughs) So, So Moses saw his destiny before he ever commanded a plague. Before he ever became a prophet. Before he ever prophesied his first prophecy. Moses' parents knew there was something in Moses that was different because his significant, it was his destiny. And they had good sense to hide what was significant so it couldn't be killed before it came to maturity. And this is what I want to you to understand is there is something inside of you that if you allow out prematurely, the enemy will destroy. This is sometimes a vision. Or a dream that God has given you. You don't share that with everybody. Because somebody's going to be sure there to say that won't work. That's not God. Right? So sometimes you have to hide it in your heart. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Until she saw the moment that she said, you can turn that water into wine. And it's necessary, son. I know you don't believe I know what I'm talking about. But I'm calling out the miraculous out of you. I know you haven't had your moment. I know you haven't. It it doesn't seem like the right place. And it doesn't seem like the right time. But the hidden significance was time to come out and Mary knew it. Come on, mamas know stuff. They do. They know stuff. They some things people can call out of you that don't make sense, but when your mama calls it out. Right? 
<laughs> so, so this is why you teach, teach your children that are creative. Don't show things while you're working on it. Come on, how many said that? Don't take that to school yet. You're not finished with it. Somebody's going to tear it up before you get done with it. Right? So you don't show them too early. I won't just say this. Don't post everything you're creating out of need for instant gratification or instant validation. Because when the followers stop following, God's still leading. Mm. And so if you're tuned with the people's criticism that don't, So it will short-circuit your creativity. You should even sometimes be careful about sharing things that God is showing you. The reason is this, because if I show you what God's telling me before I really get it together, it's going to look like I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. And I can be talked out of something I'm not sure of. Come on. But if I'm sure this is what God's telling me, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I don't care how bad you disagree with it. If I know that I know that I know that God has spoken to me to do it or God has spoken to me about it, let me tell you something. Nobody can change that. Amen? So so, so uh, when, when I, my spiritual father told me that if you listen, there will be a check in your spirit if you're not supposed to share that. He taught me how to listen to the spirit. Because this is the scripture that he used. The spirit of prophecy is subject to the prophet. Who is our prophet? Jesus Christ. So the spirit of prophecy is always subject to Jesus Christ. So ask the Holy Spirit to give you unction and divine intervention and divine revelation of what you're supposed to share when you're supposed to share it. Because if you share it too much prematurely, it's going to mess up some people. That makes sense? I know this ain't a shouting message right now, but hopefully we're going to shout later, okay? So, <laughs> so you'll look pretty confusing to people if you're not sure of who you are, and maybe the person that God is showing you something about, maybe they don't have a clue yet. God's in the process of getting them prepared to accept what God, and if you say something to them, they're going to say, that's not prophecy. That's not even true. You know why? Because God probably haven't dealt with them yet about it yet. So watch what you're saying. Amen. We got a room full of prophets in this place. So I'm just, I'm just kind of being, we're too mature to give up. Amen? We're too mature to quit. We're not quitters in this house. So it's like somebody that buys a house that's falling apart and people look at it and say, good luck with that. <laughs> Amen? Good luck with that. I hope you know what you're doing because that's a lot of work. So when God is doing significant, something significant in your life, it is good to remain hidden at a some time. Ask God. I believe all of us would agree 
Moses is a significant figure in the history of Israel. Moses is a, the first prophet. Moses is God's first leader that he cho- chooses to lead his people out of Egypt and into Canaan. Right? That's, they, he is leading them back to where they came from. So Moses, and so in history mentions, in Hebrews 11, mentions a lot of significant figures. Abraham, it even mentions Jacob. It it mentions Enoch. It mentions Noah. He mentions a lot. But then he deals with Moses, and there are several verses on Moses. Why? Because Moses is significant. Because he's the start of the law. He's the start of an era. He's a new kind of prophet. That shows up, and it's amazing scripture that the author of Hebrews, you have to understand, he's given us a picture of all of those that did not quit. All of us, all of those that did not quit, they kept on going. In fight, in spite of the world refusing Noah's message, Noah kept on building a boat and saved only eight people. Amen? I saw a verse yesterday, and I think it was somebody, one of the coaches, uh, uh, retired coaches from Westville, shared it, and it just really got on to me because this is a verse that we all, that we all, that he said it in the in the days of Noah, one shall be in the field grinding, two shall be on the. You understand what I'm saying? How many remembers we quote that for the rapture, and how many remembers he said this that as the days of Noah, and remember Noah was left not taken. All right, just something for you to think about. Noah was not raptured. Noah was left. The rest of them were taken. So it kind of gives you a whole new idea about the day of Noah, right? About that scripture, one shall be taken, one shall be left. Because we always familiarize ourselves with that as a rapture. Come on, y'all. Come on, religious folk. And I never saw that as it was in the days of Noah. Oh, my word. It opened up a huge thing. So, yeah, you got something to study now. I just messed up some theology because it messed me up. Abraham, meant, I mean, uh, the writer of Hebrews mentions all of this. And to give us a picture of those he didn't quit, he shows us someone who's almost killed before he even has the opportunity to be called. And that's Moses. He gives us a symbol of somebody who's significant, but the rest of the world don't realize how significant he is. Do you understand that's the problem with the significance? Is everybody don't recognize your significance, but God does? And people that are in your life recognizes significance? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he recognizes? Aren't you glad some parents, some spiritual fathers and mothers recognize your significance, and they pointed it out? So, I'm preaching this message because today, whoever in this house is tempted to quit on something God called you to do, you must understand how people love to take a sermon and and they like to make it their own, right? We do. We like to do that. So, don't Today, when I'm preaching on don't quit, you've been trying to quit cigarettes, just say, okay, the pastor told me don't quit, and I'm going to start smoking again. That's not what I mean. 
So, so let's don't get all backwards in the fact because I, I've seen I've seen this happen that that you understand there's some people are real shifty on things they're real on the slippery slope on things but I'm I'm talking about not quitting or giving up on what God has given you to do. Every one of you in this building, you have something that God has called you to do. You don't know, may not know what it is. You may not know exactly what it consists of. But one thing for sure is the enemy will put everything in your path to make you give it up on what God has got for you. And so God called Moses to deliver a nation, but he was almost killed before he had the opportunity to ever be called. And this is what the enemy likes to do, is kill you before your significance is come to being. And so the formative stage in your life, God says that parents had faith. Don't you love that? These parents had faith to believe this kid's special. This kid's not like every other kid. This, now I'm concerned that we in the church have confused childlike faith with childish faith. Amen? There's a difference. There's a difference in childlike faith and childish faith. And so we as a church sometimes grab a hold of childish faith and think we're doing God a favor, right? But the Hebrew believers, remember, they were more than just babies. They were still being weaned off the sacrificial system that Moses provided. This is the he, he's talking to Hebrews. He's talking to young, he's talking to Christians that are, that are mature. And he's told them, he said, when Moses grew up, he decided it was time to do away with the old system. It's time for the church to do away with your mentality of who God is. Some of us has grown up in the old time where we, we believe that if you, you know, messed, if you said the wrong thing, you just cast out. Right? It's not that easy to fail. It's not that easy to get kicked out. So what we have to understand is I'm not going to great deaths about it, but sin was atoned by the blood of bulls and goats back then. But all of a sudden, he, the writer of Hebrews says, y'all are living in an ancient system and God has turned it around and now you got to have faith for in him instead of your system. And this is the problem with a lot of church people is they have faith in the wrong thing. We have faith in who we are. Come on. Well, I'm going to get my healing because of how I acted. But I'm pretty good. Better than sister so-and-so over there. That Come on. And we have this attitude that I deserve my healing. Huh? Do we deserve anything but death? No. But God in his mercy has given us grace and healing and strength and power and might. And we are watching today as people of God are accepting the fact, I may not be at all, but what I have, what I can receive from God, I'm going to take it and I'm going to make it mine because I'm too grown up to give up. 
And so they are, they, so the, so the mosaic, mosaic customs, we are looking at a group of leaders who are learning new things. There, it's brand new to them. They haven't ever heard this before. These are Jews. They've been taught from their youth up to go about the system and to bring the bulls and goats. And all of a sudden, the writer of Hebrews says, y'all are still living in things that are basic and you ought to be eating milk, meat and you still want milk. You still want to bring your lamb up here and let somebody else look at it and make sure it's perfect and make sure it's right when all of a sudden Jesus has come and replaced your system and you got to have faith in him, not your system. And aren't we the same way? We keep trying to do things the old way. Amen. We like our three songs and a special and a testimony service. And God's saying, break up that mess. It ain't about that. It's not a form. Well, I keep coming to church every service. I don't hear the preacher preach. Mess up that form. Come on, let God in it. Let him do what he wants. This is a new day. It's a new system. It's a new place. He's saying, don't give up on what you believe just because you don't hear a word every service. I'm not against the word. I know we got to have it. We got to have it. But you understand what I'm saying. There are 66 books. And you ought to be in them. Amen? Along with everything else you can grab a hold of. Because the word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharpening a two-edged sword. And guess what? When the word's in you and the word comes, the word's in you, the word comes out of you. And every time the enemy comes at you, what comes out of you is what's in you. You can't fight with your own way of fighting. You can't fight him like you're used to fighting your, your parents or your spouse. Or your brother and sister. The enemy ain't scared. So you got to give him what's written. So that means you got to know what's written so you can give it to him. Because if you don't know what's written, then he can trip you up. Oh, I got to hurry. So, so he, is, he is transitioning their identity from being justified by the law that doesn't work to be justified by Christ that does work. You see what I'm saying? So, I know some of us have trouble not going five miles over speed limit. So, the law doesn't work for us. So, we got to have something in us that says, take your foot off of the gas. Right? Come on, something got to be inside of us telling us, you better not do that. We're not keep going there. So, so you understand. <laughs> Mm. So, holiness or the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And so, I need Christ to help me. I'm a mess. How many in here believe with me? I'm a mess. <laughs> so, so, I need Christ to help me. I can't receive this. So, I'm, if you need to quit trying to keep the commandments in your own strength so you can receive the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Does that mean you don't, the law's no good? No, that doesn't mean that. But it means that without grace and without strength of Christ, you can't keep the law. Can't do it. You can't make it happen. So you got to have Christ 
to put them things inside of you to make you do better. And that's grace. And that's what grace is for. Grace is not a ride for you to catch on all the way to glory. No. Grace is to straighten your business out. And every time grace comes in, he says, that won't work. <laughs> Come on, how many feels that little tug? That, mm, wow, wish they hadn't said that. I should go delete that. So the person of Christ, this is his disciple. It still works today. You can be forgiven of your sins without a bull or a goat. I don't need another high priest. I don't need someone to change their mind about me. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can, you can be forgiven right now. Not seven steps, not 12 steps. Not, you can be forgiven right now. You can be changed right now. It don't take an army. It don't take a congress. All it takes is for you to change your mind about who you are and say, I ain't that guy no more. I am a new person, new creature in Christ. Does that mean we don't need 12 steps? We don't need, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I don't take it. Amen? All it takes is for you to change your mind. Sometimes you need a little help with that. And thank God we got it. (laughs) But you can be forgiven right now. Not 10 years of sobriety, but right now. You can speak, and yet they are being tempted as God is birthing the church to the world to return to things that they were set free from. Paul said in one one of his epistles, said, don't be entangled again with the bondage wherewith you have been set free. Come on, don't, don't, don't go back to the bondage and trying to make yourself who, God, who you think God wants you to be. Because it won't work. I don't care how long you wear your dress. Mm. Or if you even wear one. You, you understand what I'm saying? What he wants is in the inside you to pull yourself apart. Not about what kind of clothes you wear or what kind of how long you wear your hair or what style you wear. It ain't about that. It's about where your heart is in him. And this is where the church has come. So we talked about hidden significance. Now I want us to, for a few minutes, talk about conflicted identities. And this is where the church is right now is they don't know who they are. We're trying to identify ourselves as who we used to be. And this is why Moses couldn't get anywhere for 40 years. Because he was identifying himself as an Egyptian. He identified himself with Egypt. This is why he saw when the Egyptian was beating up the Hebrew, he knew that Hebrew was his birth parents. And so it got all over him. But instead of him doing it the right way, he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. Because that's the way the Egyptian did. So sometimes I just want to kill what's bothering me. And I want to bury it and tell God it died. Does that work for you? No. So it's when you aren't used to the way of doing things enough so you return to what you know. Come on, new things are hard. 
when you don't understand. So you return to what you knew before to try to do it. This is why church messes up some people. Because they were a slave. And when they come in here, they come in with a slave mentality. And they get up thinking they got to do better before God accepts. So they come in here with an attitude, I can't come to church, the roof might fall in because I'm still sinning. I still got a mess up in my life. I got a slave to do, but no you don't. He delivered you from that way of thinking. Just come like you are and let the grace of God do the new thing inside of you. Hallelujah. Get rid of the slave way of thinking. Through the example, Moses is a perfect illustration of maturing enough. Can, oh, a lot, of t- a lot of preaching today about miracles and a lot of preaching today about glory. And I love it and I want it. But there's not a lot in preaching about maturity. And we've got to be mature before we're ever going to see the glory. We've got to be mature before we're ever going to see miracles. God is not going to turn a bunch of kids loose with a limousine. Come on, do you think he's going to give us the keys of Lamborghini when we can't drive a Buick? God, I'm just being real. Well, you wreck a Buick. I ain't going to give you no $100,000 vehicle. Right? Oh. So... <laughs> So he gives you a miracle, you don't go and mismanage it. You don't don't go and mess it up because he's given you something that you grow into. So in Hebrews chapter 11, here's a picture of Moses as a prophet. And I believe Moses is an example of an Old Testament prophet. He prophesied a lot. And, And he knew stuff. He is not your typical prophet, but the writer of Hebrews tells us, gives us a really nice view of Moses. Here's a story in the lesson is this. In verse 24, I want to go there real quick. And by faith, Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, when he was grown up, when he was mature, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Because why? He grew up to know who he really was. He knew who he really, he knew, I'm not that. I can't start thinking like that because the minute I try to go deliver God's people thinking like an Egyptian, I'm still slaved to that way of thinking. Mm. I got to change who I believe I am. Come on, this is is important because you got to believe. So he refused. Verse 25 says, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. He knew he had respect about the reward that God was offering. This description of someone who is mature. In Acts chapter 7, it tells us that Moses was 40 years old when he made the decision to be identified with the people of God. Took him 40 years to realize how significant he was. Some of us have given up at 13. Right? 
that's, that's why it's, it's crazy for us to stop, start giving up when we've not been in this thing very long. Because we give up patience about who's God calling us to be. He's got to change your mindset about who you are. Because you've had this mindset for years about what you thought God was going to do. Amen? And how we thought God was going to bring it back. Oh, it's been so long. It's been three years. I've been dealing with this mess. Think about Moses. He's been dealing with this crazy attitude for 40 years. Come on, y'all think you got it bad because you've been dealing with it for three years. And Moses has been dealing with it for 40 years. But all of a sudden he realizes, man, these treasures of Egypt are getting boring. I want to see what mama was talking about. I want to see what daddy was saying. I want to go look and see what about. So there's a lot I would like to cover, but time doesn't permit me. So his mom cast him down the Nile River. Threw him on the, on the water and said, float there. Amen? This is a guy, you know, people today wind up in therapy because their pamper's been too tight. This is a guy that's got way more problems than the pamper's being too tight. I promise you. He's got major issues. He float down the river in a ark. He gets out of that and gets tossed into Pharaoh's home. He gets told he's a king's son, but he's also a Hebrew son. So he's got conflicting identities here. One of them saying, you got to, if you want it, go after it. The other one saying, if you want it, wait on it. Right? You're talking about a serving a crockpot God in a microwave generation that was Moses. I want it. I'm going after it. If I want it, then I want to get rid of him. I'm killing him. I'm throwing him in a grave. It's all going to be good. And then the next day he comes up thinking nobody knows what he did. And they say, you're going to kill us like you did that Egyptian yesterday? It's because we have a disagreement. Oh, no. Oh, so much for my leading them out of bondage. They don't even trust me. Right? Conflict and identities. And this is where the church is today. The world doesn't trust you to lead them out. They're not trusting you to come to church in the middle of a pandemic. Because that's probably where I'm going to get COVID. You know why? Because we've had conflict and identities. We're not mature enough to know who we are. I'm going to stop right there, and we're going to pick us up next week. I'm going to give you something to think about this week. Come on, we got a mess going on. And we think we're about to have a move of God. We got, and we are. I believe it. But you understand what we've got to do first is work on our conflicting identities. Because we got Egypt over here telling us how to fight, and we got God over here telling us how to fight. And which one we listening to? Because the flesh is... At clashing with the spirit. Because we know our birth parents tell us that we have significance. And our adopted parents tell us. Huh? You're king. You do it the Egyptian way. You do it how you're supposed to do it. 
this is the system. Don't buck the system. And you understand why where we're at? We're where Moses was. No wonder it's taken some of us a long time to get over our conflicted identities. Because who we're born to is telling us something different than who adopted us. Amen? So I want to get you a mess. I know this is not shouting territory, but hopefully it will be when we get done with this because we're too mature to give up. We're too mature to quit. You've been doing, there's too much been going on. There's so much about to happen. You can't quit right now. You can't quit. It's a wrong time to stop doing what God has called you to do because you have conflicted identities. This morning, you might be floating on the river. But guess what? God's got his eye on you. You might be between two things, waiting to see what's going to (laughs) be. But I want you to know, I want you to understand that Moses makes a decision to be identified, not with Egypt, but with God. And I want you to make a decision this morning, I'm not going to be identified by who I was. I'm going to be identified with who called me. And you've got to make a decision to place that other identity on hold. I'm not going to live this week in conflicted identities. You get what I'm saying? I'm not going to live this week listening to the other side when I know this is right. I'm going to listen to who called me, who saved me, who set me free, who died for me, who rose again for me, who gave me life. I'm going to live. I'm going to listen to him. Don't listen to the system. Listen to God. You got to know who you are. Are you going to get caught up in the wrong system if you don't recognize your identity? Everybody stand this morning. Even though his early life, he was defined by an assassination attempt. Even through the drama of floating, floating through a basket. He's, 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 in a, he's in a difficult trauma and decision about a moment. But I, I, I tell you, a lot of us has had traumatic experiences that have tried to identify you. Come on, but I want to tell you, young lady, don't be identified with the abuse. Because that's not who you are. Don't be identified with what happened to you when you were 10. Because that's not what identifies you. Don't be identified with the messed up marriage you were in. Mm-mm. Because that's not what identifies you. Your identity comes through the one who called you. And he called you out. Of that. Come on, Moses wasn't identified by floating on the river. When, when we think of Moses, we don't really think about the basket anymore. We think about a deliverer that led the people across the Red Sea. We, be, we think about the victory of him calling, of, of him letting the enemy know, you got to let God's people go. You can't hold them in what they've been in. You can't hold them in this crazy identity that you're. 
Come on, it takes a person that knows who their identity is to free somebody else from the identity they got. You can't free anybody unless you know who you are. And you're in conflicted identity and God is saying, but I want you to leave my people out to the crossover. And you still wrestling with who you are. You still wrestling with the system and with who called you. Let me tell you this morning, God, there's a world that is waiting on the church to get free of who they are in Christ and know who they are so they can say, in the name of Jesus, uh, cross over. Hallelujah. you got to be free to be able to call the miraculous in. This is why we're struggling. This is why we're wrestling. Because we're in conflicted identity crisis. I want every head bowed in this building. I'm going to ask a question. I don't want anybody looking around. But I want you to be honest with me. This week. Have you said, I'm about to quit. I want you to lift your hand right now. If that's you. Look at that. Man. I'm about to quit. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) I'm preaching to the right crowd this morning. Let me tell you something. We serve a God that loves you and that gave himself for you. He didn't give himself for you so that you turn around and go the other way. He gave himself for you so you can be an inspiration to people that are struggling, people that are, that are losing it. They're losing it today. Do you understand past COVID, suicide is the number one death rate in America today? Number one. Surpass COVID. Well, people saying, I can't deal with it anymore. Church, look where we're at. We have got the answer. That answer that they need. So I want to open this place up this morning. I don't care if you want to come to the altar. These altars are open. If you want to stay right where you're at. But I'm saying get a grip, church. Get a grip and say, I want to know God. I want to hear your voice. I want to know who you are. I want to turn away from the old way. And I want to begin to walk after you and walk after what you said about me. Because I know what you said about me. You said, I am your child. You said, I am your son or your daughter. I am who you say I am. I'm not who the system says I am. So today, I want you to come to grips with the conflicted identity and say, God, I'm putting the other identity to rest. I'm taking on the new one. I'm choosing this day. It's what Joshua said, choose you this day who you'll serve. It's time to make a choice. I'm going to serve the right one. I'm going to choose. These altars are open this morning. If you want to pray right where you are, that's fine. But I want you to ask the Lord. I want you to ask him. You that raised your hands, I want you to ask him. Lord, help me to make the right choice. I want to lay that old identity to rest. And I want to take on the new.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this building right now. I pray, God, that everyone under the sound of my voice, God, that are discouraged, that are down, that are fighting, Lord, with their identities, fighting with who they are in you, who they are in Christ. I want you to make it known to them that you have called them, that you love them, that you care about them, and that you're their Savior, and you're their comforter, and you're their friend, that you haven't left them. And God, draw them into your presence right now. God, I pray that your glory begins to cover them. Your strength begins to undergird them. Your power begins to overflow them. And God, they can find rest, and they can find peace, and they can find comfort in knowing who's called them to be who they are. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.